From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. My guest today is a hand specialist from Upstate's Department of Orthopedics, Dr. Brian Harley. He's here to talk about wrist injuries. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Now, um, Upstate Orthopedics has this walk-in hand and upper extremity clinic um, weekdays. What sorts of patients are you seeing in this walk-in clinic? The typical patient is somebody who's had some sort of event where they've either fallen or they've injured their hand or their wrist in the course of a day or a day before, and they they notice that their wrist is sore or painful or their hand is really hurting, and so they want to get it looked at. And so we provide that ability for them basically to walk in uh, and get it evaluated. Typically, they're a, you know an ambulatory patient, so they're not seriously injured or something they need an ambulance for, but it was a traumatic enough event where it's it's really hurting and they want to they want to know what's going on. And they can come there and get the assessment, the x-ray or the whatever imaging there's need correct and, and yep. a hand specialist to look at them. So. Sure thing, a clinical evaluation, x-ray, whatever needs to be done. So, um, is there a season for wrist injuries? Not not really. I I think the statistics would be that probably uh, 10 to 15% of people will suffer a wrist fracture in their life. So, it's a really common thing. I have four kids. One of them's broken his wrist. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, there's there's definitely some peaks. I think the, the first snowfall or that first freezing rain in November, we usually see a, a parade to the clinic or the emergency room from some people falling and breaking wrists. And then when the, when the winter finally recedes and the bicycles and the skateboards and the rollerblades come out, then we see people falling off of those things and, and breaking and spraining wrists. But uh, pretty much on any given day, we use our wrists and our hands and we're busy and falling and, and uh, it's a pretty uniform injury throughout the year. So a wrist fracture, you've mentioned falling multiple times. Is that really the only way that a wrist would be fractured is if you fall and you're bracing yourself? Certainly the most common. Most common? Yeah. Okay. And and for elderly people, just a fall at home off the edge of a carpet or stumbling coming out of the bathroom and with some weaker bone, that's a really common thing that we see for older people. And then for the younger groups, well, obviously they're the ones that are out being weekend warriors and and uh, and being active and doing things higher energy, so falling off bikes or coming down off ladders or you know falling at work or car accidents, motorcycle accidents. That's where we see some of the higher energy stuff. But there's a whole mixture of ways to do it. But certainly, falls represent the common. majority. Okay. So what what is your recommendation for someone before they get to the either the hospital or to the doctor's office? What should they do in the interim? I think it really depends on the severity. I mean, again, as we talked about, somebody that falls off a ladder, I mean, they're more likely to really be injured and consider an ambulance or something like that. For the average person that has a fall, their wrist hurts, it's not obviously deformed or, or something doesn't seem terribly wrong, then the basic thing for most of these is you go in, you wrap it up with some ice and you, you sort of splint it or self-splint it as best as possible and try and figure out how intact you really are. And then depending on, you know, how you feel, most people, they know something's wrong and, and the severity of it. So for the average person, if it's not too severe and they're concerned, it could be something, some ice, you know, most people have an ace bandage or some sort of splinting material at home. And, and then you splint it up and then you figure out where best to go, depending on the time of day and, and, and how severe you really feel it is. And if you, um, you know, sleep on it, so to speak, you go to bed, you wake up in the morning and it's worse than bef- the day before. Is that a signal? Sure. Okay. If, as this, if the swelling and bruising increase, 
cases, then the likelihood that you need to get an x-ray and at least have it seen and assessed uh, by somebody who knows what they're doing is, is probably more significant. If you ice it and the next morning it's feeling not too bad and you're moving, then that's usually a pretty good sign that okay. you tweaked it a little bit, but it's no more than one of those daily occurrences where you twist something and things are getting better quick. So when a patient comes in and they, they've got pain and maybe they've got swelling in the wrist area, how do you as the physician go about determining if it's broken or dislocated or sprained? Um, what's the assessment like? What do you do? First thing, obviously, is you get, you get a history from the patient. And uh, your suspicion for more severe injuries depends entirely on you know what, what the patient tells you, how it happened. I mean, somebody that was up cleaning out the gutters and comes, you know, eight feet down off of a ladder, you're, you know, the energy suggests that there, that there could certainly be more significant injury. If, if somebody suggests that a door slammed on their hand hard, and then you, okay, it's a little lower energy, little, you know, they didn't come down with their body weight. So the history provides a, a, a degree of suspicion as to how much you think might be going on. Um, Physical exam, clearly, I mean, you see somebody that's bruised and swollen or their wrist looks crooked or deformed, then, you know, it's usually pretty intuitive that there's something more severe going on. Some people, it's not too bad, but they're very tender in one location. So if somebody's specifically tender at the bone, right at the wrist, then you're thinking, okay, they might have just had a little buckle or a little crack in the bone. And then ultimately, to tell fractures, the x-ray is your... Um, is your ultimate oh, determination. X-ray. So in the office, we see patient, we get the history, we examine them, and then we typically are getting x-rays in most of those instances. And then you have a pretty good sense for is something broken or is something dislocated and out of joint. In between then is if you've got that pain and, and things are sore and, and tender, but the x-rays look normal, then that sort of falls into that sprain where you've probably stretched the ligaments, which hold all those bones together, and you've probably stretched them to the point where they went a little too far, and that's why you're bruised and swollen, because those ligaments stretched and partly tore, and that's really what a sprain is. So just because something really hurts and really looks bad, looks swollen, deformed and all, doesn't necessarily mean that it's actually broken. Correct. Okay. Sometimes you'll see people and uh, it's it's a bad sprain and some of the ligaments have started to tear, but it's still all in joint and the bones are still structurally okay. Well, I was going to ask if we can go over um, the differences between what, what a sprain, a fracture, and a dislocation. The sprain is like stretched ligaments or tendons? Sure. Okay. A fracture is pretty straightforward. A bone is a solid piece and it's designed to be one unit and it doesn't move, it's, so it's very rigid, like a piece of lumber that holds your, your, the, the floor up in your house. And when it breaks, now it's not doing its job, so your skeleton is now uh, broken. Um, so that's pretty straightforward. A dislocation, then, is when a joint, which normally moves, now has m- gone too far. So it now pops out of joint. And the ligaments hold it in joint. So the sprain is really sort of halfway to a dislocation, okay? So the joint moved. It moved a little further than it was supposed to. And so all those ligaments that hold the bones together got stretched and partly torn, but the joint didn't pop out completely. So if it goes that far, where now the sprain is so bad that all the ligaments are torn, then the bone can pop out a joint, and that's really what a dislocation is. Thankfully, dislocations about the wrist aren't very common. Okay. It takes a lot of energy. You're coming off a motorcycle at 45 miles an hour or bucked off a horse or something like that in order to dislocate your wrist. But sprains are really common because when you fall, your wrist bends back too far. 
some of those ligaments that hold your wrist bones together stretch, partly tear, you can get some bruising and swelling, but your wrist is still reasonably well lined up. This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Brian Harley, an orthopedic surgeon who is uh, chief of pediatric orthopedics hand division at Upstate. Um, so between sprain, fracture, and dislocation, which is worse? Which is the worst one to have and to have to recover from? In, 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 a, in the, the injury that I would least like to have myself uh-huh. would be a wrist dislocation. So I think those are very... Um, traumatic injuries that can cause a lot of problems long-term, early arthritis and things like that. Thankfully, as we mentioned earlier, they're just not that common. Um, sprains are very common, but they really, there's a, there's a, there's a real uh, spectrum of, of sprains. Sometimes you get a sprain, your wrist hurts for a couple of days, it starts to settle down in your back without too much trouble. Some people can get sprains and that will last and grumble and four weeks, six weeks, it's still sore. It's hard to get back to things, especially if you're doing a lot of manual labor. So for some, in some instances, some of these sprains can really linger on. Fractures in the acute phase, so in the first week or two, a fracture is usually the most painful. Okay. Because of the break of the bone and the bleeding, and then there's some sort of cast or even surgery in worst case scenario. But then the bones typically by a month are really starting to heal and the pain is settling down, and so you can usually get going a little bit. So... In, in the worst case scenario, like I said, a wrist dislocation is probably the worst, but sprains are variable in how they stick around. Okay. Are there special concerns for um, children versus adults uh, with a fracture? Yeah. I, children's fractures are really common, and thankfully in most cases, most of them don't require surgery, and most of them heal up really quickly. There are some occasional ones where there there is surgery needed or there, there can be severe, but... Um, like I said, kids are active and they're on the monkey bars, they're on the swing sets and they're falling and landing and, and they're really common. But like I said, in most cases, they do really well with a cast. And and, uh, and so in kids, there's considerations because the growth plate is around that area and there can be uh, sometimes some problems. But again, if you're going to break a wrist, you want to do it when you're five years old. Well, I was going to say on the other end of the age spectrum, it, maybe not bounce back as easily from a broken wrist, right? Absolutely. The the geriatric population is where we see a lot of fractures, what we call the fragility fractures, where typically ladies above 75 or sorry, above 65 into their 70s, they start to fall in less energy as they they fall, like I said, just in their home, something that really they wouldn't have thought about and suddenly their wrist is broken and there's some real considerations because their bone is softer or osteoporotic as we call it. It, it tends to collapse more. They often heal with a lot of deformity and sometimes it can be a real problem for these elderly folks. Does your um, treatment recommendation, does it vary at all if it's the person's dominant hand? Or- um, I, I would say yes and no. Um, mostly what determines whether we think people fit into a surgical category is really just how badly deformed the bone is or how likely it is to heal in a deformed position. So most people would say that, yes, if, if the wrist was deformed and it was your dominant wrist, it would probably be more problematic for you because it's the one you're using all the time. But having said that, if it's your non-dominant wrist and it really healed in a crooked fashion, then you're, now your, your helper hand is also disabled. So yes, I think your dominant hand is important, but I think as we've gotten better at, at fixing these things, we have some great ways to fix them now. I think we, it, it's less important because I think we know that the more deformity 
the bone heals with or potential deformity, the worse the functional outcome is going to be. So, so if you if you um, fracture your dominant hand and you're you're casted for however many weeks or months, um, and you have to make do with your other hand, once you're you're healed, do you maintain uh, the skills that you've learned in your non-dominant hand, or do you go <laughs> back to your old ways? No, most most people, old dogs, new tricks. Yep, you're going to definitely just get back. If you're right-handed when your cast is off, you'll do you'll everything right-handed okay. again. Yep. All right. Having had a wrist fracture, does that set you up and make you kind of weak and more likely to have another one? Uh, no, in most cases, no. What we tell people is once the bone heals back, and that's usually somewhere between about six to 10 weeks, this bone is as strong as it was before. So for the person that, you know, the younger adult that falls off a bicycle, they're not anymore at risk. So you they'll know, be good as new? They'll, they'll be essentially be as good as new. Um, the elderly people that, you know, are prone to these fragility fractures, they're just potentially prone to prone, more fractures, no but the fracture itself, once it heals, the, the skeleton really does remodel and heal up nicely and really makes it as good as new once it's healed. Okay. One last question. And thank you for all the information on wrist fractures. Um, but since I have you here and you're a, a hand specialist, I've heard of skier's thumb, baseball finger, and tennis elbow. And I'm not sure what any of them are, but it's interesting that they're all named after sports. Is that because the athletes in those sports are more likely to develop those? Is that where the names came from? Sure. Uh, the, so. the, um, they're not always high-end athletes, but they're often okay. associated with those sports. So certainly, you know, the person that falls skiing with a ski pole in their hand, it, it's at risk of sort of breaking the ligaments and partly dislocating. And so, yes, a lot of those things are active people uh, trying to do active things and energy was more than the body could take. Okay, great. Well, my guest has been hand specialist, Dr. Brian Harley from Upstate's Department of Orthopedics. I'm Amber Smith for the podcast and talk show produced by Upstate HealthLink on air.